Welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is the man behind the Twitter funnies at Old Firm Facts, Adam Miller and Jules Captain Howdy Boyle. Gentlemen. Alrighty. How you doing? On the pod today, we're going to look at the Deadwood at Celtic Park. This is based on an article written by Mr. Jules Boyle, who's with me today, discussing the players that he thinks that Celtic should be looking to punt on before the end of the season. Well, at the end of the season, not before. We're also going to be discussing B teams after comments made by Rangers coach Michael Beale and Charlie Adam potentially going in as Dundee manager. How would that go? Well, without further ado, we're going to go to Jules Boyle because you wrote this article today ending the careers of such luminaries, Celtic luminaries, as Craig Gordon and Mikel Lustig, guys with numerous titles and cups, and but you're you're ending their career, Jules. <laughs> Very selectively chosen there out of that list, I think there, Johnny. <laughs> um, I ended the career of quite a lot of other ones who are, who are factually more dud-like. Um, Craig Gordon, for example, is obviously a top quality keeper, um, and I'd be perfectly happy for him to be the number one. Scott Baines obviously came into such a form that he is now not number one, but he is one of the highest wage earners on the team. Um, is very unlikely bar an injury being a goalkeeper to get that slot um, to get back up it's not like outfield players where there's more mix and match is, is that a fair point Adam Craig Gordon he's too big a salary to keep him hanging around as a, a substitute I think a goalkeeper with the quality of that, that, that Craig Gordon has is probably not keen on hanging around mm-hmm. as a number two for yep. much longer I think Craig Gordon could go in as number one at quite a lot of decent clubs at the moment he's you know as a keeper he's still got a few years where he can perform at a good level and Absolutely. and Craig Gordon might have his flaws but there aren't many better when it comes to pulling off great saves and Craig mm-hmm. Gordon there, there have been errors there have been consistency issues or whatever but I think uh, there's not many Scottish keepers you could say over the last 20 years that have pulled off as many like unlikely saves as Craig Gordon has so I think he could still go in at a reasonably high level and be a number one keeper for the next four or five years Gordon's big, Gordon's big problem though hasn't it Jules been that he often has these sort of clangers in the big big games you think back to Celtic against Inter Milan that 3-3 draw that sort of defined, that has defined his time at Celtic, isn't it? Dropping these big game errors. It has. Well, that, I wouldn't go as far as to define because he has pulled off some a lot of saves that were literal match winners or, or things like that. I remember we dropped, um, I think, what was it, the Interman one where they, they, he dropped the clangers and the entire crowd was singing his name um, and getting behind him. And he pulled off some absolute storming saves after it, which is a sign of the quality of the manager. I mean, a lot of other keepers would do a clanger and their heads would be down their nerves would be shot they'd have fault in their back and he would just minutes later pull off some outrageous save that it was impossible to do after doing the clanger I don't think anyone really judges him for them um, these things happen He's, and, and I think if he was more a clanger keeper it's different but I think he made up for it with everything else that he did folk more lightly were kind of concerned that he didn't um, come out enough or command his box enough or things like that but there was no real major calls to get rid of him, do you know what I mean? Is the essence of this, Jules, that you think Scott Bain is just better than Craig Gordon, at as the, it stands at the moment? At the moment, he is. At, at the moment, he definitely is. Um, and I think I don't think he's going anywhere. And as, as Adam um, illustrated as well, he's too big to be sitting on the bench um, and never getting a game, and he's too expensive, and he could be better spent, both for him and for the club, to free up those wages and, and put it towards the other things that the club really need badly. What about Mikael Lustig, Adam? He gives you loads and loads of content on Old Firm mm. Facts, so I'm assuming that you would want to see him stick around. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think the thing with uh, Lustig, and there's a degree of this with Scott Brown these days as well, is that they're if they were sort of less, um, if they were smaller personalities, I think there would be less people arguing for them to be a part of the setup than they are. So I think with uh, Lustig and sometimes with Brown as well, poor performances are often camouflaged by their kind of antics or whatever. So Scott Brown, for instance, uh, can get away with dodgy games sometimes if he's if there's a picture of him kind of. You know whether it's goading an opponent or laughing in someone's face or doing whatever they go, oh, classic Bruni. And it disguises the fact that he's not really controlled the game, he's not had a big impact. And I think there's a degree of that with Lustig as well, but I think over the last year or so, certainly from what I've seen, the, the opinions sort of turned against keeping him on. Uh, I don't think he's consistent or reliable, and I don't think he'd be a massive loss for Celtic. Um Yes and no, I would say it with that. I think definitely he's not the player he was. He's definitely getting older. Um, you can look at his... Um, a lot of the times I'm thinking he's not got the speed anymore. He's not got that thing. You look at Aberdeen the other week. I mean, he was up the other end to get that goal. But he does. He is inconsistent and he is doing that. But I think the, the, the issue, the deeper issue for Celtic is he's definitely not the player he was. But to, if they get rid of him, they need to get in two right-backs. In an ideal world, as much as he's, he's been a, a servant of the club and all these sort of things for that, I think for Celtic fans or, or, or anyone looking at it, you know, there should be someone else getting brought in as the first choice right back, but you need, you need to have someone else behind it. And is are they going to get two that are better than him right now with the money they've got and with the, the recruitment in there? Are they going to get two right backs that are better than Lustig right now? I don't think they are. Be key. Oh, sorry, no, no, that's all. I, I just don't think they can, you know, they'll be lucky to get two better than them. I think, uh, I think there's an argument for maybe keeping Lustig on as a squad player, but exactly. certainly not as first choice. Nope. And I think it became during the January window, it was almost like a meme. You know, Celtic fans announce right back, announce mm. right back, announce right back, and in the end, it was Tolian that came in, and I think your reaction there <laughs> tells the story. Um, so that's probably one of the, the biggest issues mm-hmm. for Celtic this summer is, is sorting out the right back. Very position. much so. It's, it's a huge, a huge gap. I've chucked in the two hardest names for you, Craig yeah. Gordon and Mikael Lustig there, but the rest of this list, it's it's pretty scary stuff if you're a Celtic fan reading it. Uh, Marvin Comper. Mm. Ibui Kuasi. I mean, significant amounts of money, Adam, have been spent on this Celtic squad that have just gone into thin air. Well, uh, I think one of the, the the signings that Celtic fans have been happiest with was uh, Leicester getting Lee Congerton. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think that tells you something about Celtic's recruitment over the last couple of years. And I think the biggest regret that Celtic fans could end up having is that they haven't solidified their position in the way that they should have done. So Celtic have had this opportunity while there's been, for a few years, Rangers not in the same league as them, and then Rangers coming back with a team that wasn't anywhere near the level of Celtic. A chance for Celtic to put themselves light years ahead of Rangers. And the fact that that going into the last game of this season, Rangers are within six points of them, that tells you that Celtic have not, they've not missed an opportunity because they've won eight in a row and they'll still be favourites for the league next season but Rangers shouldn't even be in the conversation at this stage Celtic should have just gone so much further ahead than they have and they could have done that with smarter recruiting Yeah, I, I think there is that there, there is also the issue of you look at what Celtic have done this year um, lost their best striker like top, you know, top top quality striker lost him, didn't replace him um, 
lost their manager in crazy terms. Things going on with that. And it also as well, I'd be interested to look at just the, the list of injuries and how long people have been out this season. There's been a lot. I mean, there's very rarely they've had a settled lineup, they've had a settled back line. They've had all these other situations going on. And they've still won the league. They've still won the cup. And they're, you know, favourites for the, the treble. But Rangers are looking like a, a much better team. And they're there. And you're right, do you know what I mean? And with better recruitment and better things, these things wouldn't have been quite an issue. The, the yeah. injuries wouldn't be as much an issue. You look at that game at Ibrox at the weekend and you're missing these great players, but you're bringing on people who are like not even remotely in the same class yeah. at all. People who actually shouldn't be in the team. Do you know what I mean? Aaron, do you, do you get the sense that, and I hate to steal the patter of uh, Craig Levine, but... <laughs> there's been a restoration of the natural order that Rangers were never going to continue to be as bad as they've been. So they were always going to get their act together to, at some stage to the extent that they could come back and be a force at their own ground. Well, Rangers were never going to stay as bad as they were, but that is, it's not a shock that they've got better and Celtic should have been prepared for that. Celtic shouldn't have been thinking short-term. Obviously, the short-term goal for Celtic is 10 in a row and whatever happens after that, they can always say, we beat the nine. But Celtic should be thinking longer term than that and thinking we could bury Rangers at this point. They should have been thinking that way five years ago. Should have, you know, We invest enough money and invest it smartly in this squad. They shouldn't be in a position where they're they're bringing in they're, they're they're bringing in guys like they did on Sunday that just weren't interested and weren't at the races and didn't as Lennon put it didn't want it as much as Rangers. Mm. That, that was uh, the problem before yeah. though as well, yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's the problem when you bring in loan players that towards the end of the season, especially when there's nothing at stake, they're going to say, "Do I really want to get a broken leg? Do I really want to be going into a fifty-fifty with a player like Ryan Jack, yeah. who's absolutely pumped up because he wants to win this old firm game?" When I'm going back to Borussia Dortmund or wherever in, in two weeks' time. Yeah, but that, 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 I think that's the problem though. Bringing the wrong loan players, I think you look at Paddy Roberts when he was there, the first time especially. PR seven. PR seven. The first time especially running his legs off. Second period, they wasn't. I didn't kick as much, but he was up to the end of the season, still giving it loads. I mean, to be honest, I think um, sadly Timo Weah would probably have uh, put more of a shift in and wanted it more and gave more an effort. Um, I think I think I don't think it's to do with players thinking, "Oh, I'm going back to this or I'm going back to that," because they're trying to win themselves. You know, in the shop front window, they're trying. They maybe not be back at Borussia Dortmund, maybe another club, or maybe at Celtic. There's no reason for them not to try at the, the end of the season. They're still on loan. It still makes them look like donkeys. They're not going to get a better loan deal. They're not going to get signed up with that. So I don't think, for example, Tolyan was thinking, "Oh, I don't want to get into a fifty-fifty." I think he was just rotten, do you know what I mean? He turns his back and runs into his own half with the ball when Celtic have a chance to break forward. Okay, well we're going to move on now and we're going to talk a little bit about some comments made by Michael Beale to the Rangers podcast Heart and Hand. He was talking about B teams or Colt teams. It's one of the hot topics in Scottish football and has been for some time. It's something that gets lower league fans in particular uh, quite irate with the way it's uh, reported and discussed at times. Adam, I'm basically going to throw this hot potato in your lap and let you deal with it. What are your thoughts? Uh, he's not looking happy, folks. I know it's not a video. Um, what are your thoughts about Michael Beale's comments? He's basically elucidated the benefits as they would stand for Rangers and uh, the other top clubs and also Scottish football's top players he's saying that if the top five or six clubs have the vast majority of the best players in Scottish football 
if you get these guys playing regularly uh, against men in a competitive environment, you will see the benefits as they have done in Holland, in Germany, in Spain, and a lot of other countries. How do you approach this issue? Well, it was interesting when we were on the way in here today, Jules specifically said to me, if Johnny throws some hot potatoes in your lap, I'll just take them off your hands. So, um, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. There's no way a potato's getting outside of my hand. Certainly not. Um, Oh, right, you, you can. I can see both sides of this, right? And that's the that's the red hot content. No, you're looking for right? <laughs> um, roasting. Yeah, um, <laughs> I completely understand the benefits of it for the teams involved. I think young players are obviously going to become better, quicker by challenging themselves against a, a higher class of player. Um, if you're if you are one week coming up against a side of a uh, you know really decent ability but then the next week you're suddenly playing against a sort of mishmash of 16 and 17 year olds plucked from a school just to make up an 11 you're not going to learn anything from that if you're regularly testing yourselves against a higher level of opposition then the results will quickly become apparent uh, it'll help players grow in terms of their tactical discipline in terms of their technical ability and physically I think it will help the, their development as well because they're playing against men rather than boys um, and stronger players um, whether that almost makes uh, or undermines the rest of the setup, I can completely understand that argument so I'm not quite sure what the middle ground would be there. Because that's the question isn't it Jules, it's what about these lower league fans? They are every bit as justifiable as fans and as important to Scottish football as fans as a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan. And they feel that this would undermine their league. Yeah. How, how would you address that for them? How do you go at that? How do you try and arrest and allay their fears? I think it's a difficult one because, I mean, I, I, you know, as you say, these lower league fans, they go in obviously much smaller numbers than the Rangers fans, the Celtic fans, the Aberdeen fans, but by and large they're probably more loyal than the percentage-wise than most of them. Do you know what I mean? It you know, means a lot to them, that is their club. And there is this general narrative of all football is about the big boys, it's all about them and what they say goes and the rest of them just have to put up with it. Do you know what I mean? And there is this thing. That would have to be seen. And as Adam says, there, there is a complicated issue and there is multiple sides to it. I do agree with what Adam said as well. I think they would have to be very much very much listened to and, and, their, and their fears relayed. But again, will, will, will they be? I mean, will, will they be remotely um, well, factored in? That's part of the problem, isn't it? Is that it's Rangers and Celtic, so it's very much seen as the old firm against the rest. If this genuinely is about a holistic approach mm -hmm. to producing young players for our national team, then surely it needs to be more than just Rangers and Celtic and they yeah. need to be cognizant of what they're facing because yeah. Rangers and Celtic are not going to get Colt teams in the lower leagues unless the lower league teams vote, vote for it. For it. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to vote for it until they believe that it's good for them. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there might be self-interest in that. There always is going to be. But if you can't bring the fans on board, then how can the clubs, Adam, ever justify doing this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> you need to bring the fans yeah. on board. 
I think it, it, it needs can. to be sold. If you sell the idea to the fans, then the clubs will be under more pressure to accept it. Mm-hmm. But I think we're a long way from convincing the majority of Scottish football fans on that subject. Yeah, you, you can't imagine some small team from up north that thing with all their fans going, "Ugly sisters, they're telling us what to do." Maybe, maybe we don't want this, and then the club go, "Oh, we're doing this anyway." There'll be total revolt, and be that sort of thing. And because those teams are so local you know these chairmen are going to be sitting there next to these people I'm not sure how woke that ugly sisters thing is nowadays Adam that's, that's the quote that's as our official woke spokesman <laughs> our, our wokesman wokesman <laughs> um, I think you can get away with ugly sisters it's a quote it's a quote I'm not saying ugly sisters you, you, yeah, you can't he, see it's a podcast I made bunny ears yeah he's, he's giving it the air quotes giving so it the air quotes as, as, yeah. that is how the perception would be of ugly sisters dominating their football telling them what to do doing it for their own odds and then doing that and then you know, your your wee chairman's going to be sitting there with all these guys, furious that they've co-toed to guys that he knows by name. Team. Yeah, that, that's the, the he lives thing. nearby, and you know, mm-hmm. there's no hiding place. It's not up in some lovely box. Yeah, that's he's that, sitting there with these guys throwing pies at him. That's an important yeah. thing. You know, having done the Albion Rovers uh, documentary and spent a mm. lot of time at that club. Uh-huh. You know, the regulars at Albion Rovers know the manager and the chairman yeah. and the same um, in the pub they, you know, it's, exactly yeah. everyone knows everyone so it's uh-huh. a fairly intense environment if it's uh-huh. not going well yeah. and yeah. that's something that people need to be cognizant of yeah. it's an interesting one it will run and run but we are going to talk now a little bit about Charlie Adam the former Rangers Blackpool Stoke City and a teammate of Steven Gerrard's at Liverpool for about five minutes. Um, he has come out and said that he would like to take on a player manager's role at Dundee. Now, we had a very fine article in uh, Football Scotland yesterday from... Uh, uh, oh, actually, it was today, wasn't it? It was today. today so, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm losing track of time. From uh, Ross Batchelor, a Dundee fan who has uh, gone on record talking about the Jim McIntyre era what's going on at Dundee um, seems from what Ross is saying that uh, people in Dundee are still behind the American owners however Jim McIntyre apparently brought nothing to the club that's a direct quote from uh, from Ross I think technically Neil McCann was the one who brought nothing and McIntyre maintained nothing <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think Charlie Adam could bring something to Dundee um, I think Charlie Adam could bring a lot of things, but I don't know if any of them are positive. Um, I'd, personally, I'd love to see Charlie Adam back in Scottish football because I think he's possibly one of the weirdest personalities uh, of the game in the last 20 years. He's also inspired some good songs. Um, <laughs> a flash of recognition on Jules' face there that the viewers won't be able no to hear. Um, no, no. My favourite thing with Charlie Adam was the time he announced his contract extension at Stoke with, I think it was a 13-word statement, uh, but instead of tweeting the 13 words, because he, he had 140 characters at his disposal, he wrote it on his iPhone notes function, then took a screenshot of that and uploaded it to Twitter. <laughs> Just <laughs> d- delighted to announce I have extended my contract with Stoke for a further year. Might as well just like put sent from my iPhone or something like that at the bottom of it. But, uh, I think that's the, the level Charlie Adam's operating at. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, like Charlie Adam, uh, on his day, a very, very good footballer. Um, but that, that goal, that famous goal for, for uh, I think, Stoke against Chelsea, where he, mm-hmm. he smacks him from the halfway line. He's yeah. probably tried that about 500 times totally. in matches. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't recall him trying it at Rangers, but 
Um, that was a glorious moment. Mm-hmm. And well, you have to have quality to be able to pull that well, off. And he's only 33, Adam. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has quality. But if we're talking about uh, left-footed former Rangers players going in at Dundee, um, I think <laughs> there's a cautionary tale from the start of this season. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see Charlie Adam back in Scottish football. Jules? Um, yeah, definitely. I, well, I think at the very least it, it, it would uh, give us things to write about. Um, Adam would obviously have a field day <laughs> we, 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 all firm facts um, yeah I mean the, thing, the situation with Dundee is uh, without being too miserable about it the situation is grim um, and it has been for some time and it is going to take some serious bit of magic wandering um, and I'm not sure if Charlie Adams left peg is, is the magic wand that's going to do it but it could potentially it could potentially pull them up slightly at least I mean, and something could happen about it do you know what I mean um, but it is, it's it's hard to imagine what's going to write that chip, really. Dundee strike me a little bit like Kilmarnock before Steve Clark went in. and It's, it's a big club in a Scottish mm. context. Mm-hmm. Great European so. history. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won the league. Dundee yeah. is a city on the up with a V&A. Mm. I know it's a big cliche, but I'm yeah, just going to yeah. use it anyway. And <laughs> it's a like, big museum, not a it's cliche. A <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Dundee United across the vet, the street from them are mm-hmm. seem to be getting their act together. They've got new ownership as well. Yeah. And you would think that Dundee have the potential to be a very good club in Scottish Big football. But we, we, we used the stat yesterday, 23 years, 13 managers, every single one of them have been sacked. Yeah. You'd think for a 33-year-old guy with no managerial experience, and I know he's been in at an elite level, mm-hmm. he's going to struggle to go in there and really turn that entire club around and turn exactly. years of uh, decay and, and issues around Risk management. It's, yeah. a, it's a problem club. Mm-hmm. It is. As we look at Steve Clark, when I just say go to Kilmarnock, he's a top top quality manager, and he's right. He's, he's right that shit because he's, he's that level of good. That is probably what's needed indeed. But they're in such a precarious state; it's going to be really difficult to get something. And something like Charlie Adam, you can see them just going, "Oh, okay, give him a go." And similarly, without being too um, pessimistic about it, you can see him being number fourteen at some point. Yeah, so, I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. I mean, you go into that, you go into an environment like that. I think I was saying it on yesterday's podcast that like you you see the the track record that Dundee mm-hmm. you've got with managers. It doesn't make it an appealing prospect. No, right? no, definitely not. Um, especially the, the, the old player coach thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, it's just good, like not something you see a lot nowadays. No. No. We're going to move on now to Hearts and the news that they are almost certain to sign up Stephen Naismith on a permanent deal. Now, he's been on loan for Norwich, uh, from Norwich, should I say, for the last 18 months. He's done very well this season, 27 games, 14 goals and four assists. Adam, is he going to be a key figure in uh, Craig Levine's plans for next season once again? If he keeps himself fit. That's the big thing with Naismith. I think uh, he gives Hearts, not not just in terms of his ability, which isn't in question, but I think Naismith's attitude, he's almost the archetypal guy who you absolutely despise but would take in your team in a heartbeat. I think that's always been Naismith's style. And he's, just, he's a really interesting personality, Naismith, in the sense that he's, I think football is how he gets that side of him out. It's like when you see a band. Um, an example I would give someone that, uh, <laughs> that I think Jules is familiar with would be the band Mogwai, mm-hmm. where uh, Stuart, frontman Mogwai, the really lovely, nice mm-hmm. guy, and then on stage it's like this wall of Bobby massive sound. Naismith yep. off the pitch is this really charming 
guy who does fantastic work for charity and particularly with the homeless, I think. Uh, and on the stage, uh, on the on the stage, <laughs> on on the pitch, the guy is like a demon, and mm-hmm. he's in your face. He's complaining about absolutely every single decision. There's wee niggly tackles. There's a uh, bookings for dissent or whatever. Barking at folk in the ground. Bark- exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's uh, I think football is just his vehicle for getting that out of his system and working <laughs> working out those issues. <laughs> but I think what he does for Hearts is everyone needs an outlet, Adam. Yeah, exactly. it's an outlet. That's the word I was looking for. It's an outlet. Yeah. And I think he for Hearts he, he he harnesses that energy in a positive way for Hearts. Uh, pl- it inspires the players around him. And I think you can see the difference in Hearts when he's not part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think keeping him free of injury is the big thing. Because when Naismith's playing and he's on his game and his teammates are responding to it, it makes a huge difference for Hearts, I think. Yeah. I went to Tyne Castle seven games into the season. They were facing off against Livingston. They'd won their first, I think, six or seven games they'd won. And the fans were so excited about the prospect for the season. They'd brought in so many players. It was all fitting together. And Naismith was spearheading that, Jules. Unfortunately for Hearts, I think, I know there's a lot of people out there that will want to criticise Craig Levine, Mm -hmm. and he deserves some criticism. However, I think if you look at their injury record this season, it has been really incredibly unlucky. Mm. All their main players have had seriously long spells out, and Naismith is no different. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he is the kind of player that can bring Hearts back into that contention for third place next season? 100%. I think um, if it, there's an interesting... I, I didn't realise how... how precise this was I was actually doing a story on it a, a while back there's an interesting maybe a Venn diagram to do of Hearts playing well this season and Naismith being injured because it's happened twice because he's had two major injuries literally they're firing great guns and as soon as he's injured they are rotten right? and they obviously had other injuries as well he comes back in the team their form picks up they start scoring goals they start winning balls in the midfield they're doing all these things and they're doing well he gets injured again and, whoop, and back down again and it does seem to be him and obviously it's not a one man team but it's not just what he adds with goals, he obviously adds about a dig, about a direction, about a organisation, about all these things he brings to the team. And when they've not got him, it's not there. And, and the team just plummets. Obviously, they've had other injuries, but he, he has been the difference in their season. And you can see when he's not, the difference it makes, and it just plummets away. So it's an obvious, obvious choice to get him um, back in that side and, and quickly as possible because they need him. We're going to end this podcast now on a light note with a little story from Mexico. <laughs> Uh, old Firm Facts favourite I'm assuming he would be a favourite of yours Adam uh, who, who are we talking about Donald Trump it's <laughs> <laughs> a similarly clever quote. the other side of the wall um, <laughs> right, okay. he said basically there was a protest against them after uh, a, a loss for Cruz Azul they've had a bit of a dodgy second half to the season to say the least after doing very well in the first half and he said after the game the fans who came along to protest were bought they, paid, they were paid to come along and carry banners against me. So it is Donald Trump. <laughs> it is, it's so similar. He said, it was so all similar. very staged, still Donald Trump. Guess what? Remember, this is a country where you can pay someone to kill a man for two pesos, which is 10 pence. <laughs> Everything can be bought here. I mean, I think that's likely to see him getting in a bit of trouble, guys. Just, What's your reaction, Adam? Um, do, is there a compliance officer in Mexico? <laughs> um, I... I I think with with Kishina, I think the one of the, one of the suggestions that I really took issue with was the the negative or some of the negative coverage of Kishina was motivated by some kind of xenophobia. I never bought that for a second. I think uh, I, I I think 
the whether he was uh, f- from whatever you know. If he'd been from Dennis, then he'd have got similar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think I, I think it wasn't anything to do with his nationality or background. I think he is just quite an eccentric personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's either a good or a bad thing, but it was always an interesting thing. Yeah. So when he was uh, coming out with interesting analogies, um, I think that was, that was fun for people. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. And it was... I, I would... I would... I would every single day of the week take uh, watching a guy like that over a guy like uh, saying you know oh, the boys are disappointed but we go again on we'll, Saturday. Let, we'll learn from it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll learn from this we'll get back in the training pitch on yeah. Monday Listen, you know, Stephen Gerrard's a good example of that Stephen Gerrard is a brilliant media operator because he gives absolutely nothing a lot of the time but, yeah, uh, inc- yeah it's, it's, he's dull to listen to, which yes. is a good thing for Rangers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Pedro Cascina, I mean, he's I, I watched, I, yes, <laughs> yes. And I watched that YouTube press conference yeah. religiously every week because uh-huh. you knew it was just gold. There was yeah, always going to be something entertaining yeah. in it. Yeah, which which for a neutral or a fan of the other team is what you want from your club. You know, you can feel people go, "Oh God, just stop it!" But you can see there he's in Mexico. And he's not standing. He's literally saying he's in this foreign country, and he's saying that you know this country's so rubbish. You can get somebody to kill somebody for ten p, <laughs> and the fans that, that they're all been paid to do it. I mean, it's Trump like. I mean, it's not a great look. It's not a no. great. Look. And they've just been chucked out of the playoffs. I mean, it's yeah. not. It's not even a random game. They really made a right mate muck it, and he's going. No, nobody could possibly be annoyed. They've all been paid. It's insane thing yeah. he's saying, um, which is great. It's, I mean, it's hilarious sort of talk for us. You know what I mean, but if you're a fan of that club, you can imagine. You know, surely the Mexican FA um, in whatever capacity will be at his door. Like, well, I'm going to end this podcast with a plea to John Nelms, the managing director of Dundee. Pedro Cascina, Dundee, it seems like a perfect fit. I think everyone in the media will back me up on that, saying that that is something that we want to see. How much can you get someone killed for in Dundee? <laughs> oh, Jules. oh Jules oh Jules just Dun- so Pedro knows Dundee is a fine it fine, is a fine place. place I have been it to many has, a concert in Dundee and it I now has a brew dog oh so I thought go. we were coming up with positives for Dundee <laughs> <laughs> right that's all from us here today at Football Scotland we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable you can get more for us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scotland. To ask a question or to make a comment to us individually, you can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Jules. Captain underscore Howdy. And you can get Adam. You can send me all the abuse you want at Old Fun Facts 1. Deal. Until tomorrow, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.